So it is never a dull moment in the lives of Lindsay and Allie. <laughs> um, it's Lindsay here. Um, it is currently Saturday afternoon while I'm recording this. So Allie and I usually record our episodes um, Thursdays or Fridays, most of the time Fridays, just because it's you know towards the end of the week and it's a lot calmer. Unfortunately, Allie is sick. Uh, she woke up with a fever the other morning, and she, you know we all know how it is when we're sick. So we tried to hold out. We were hoping she was going to feel better, but unfortunately, she is sick. Life happens. We just came back from summer break, so of course, that's how our luck works. But we really didn't want to take um, any more time off than we already have. So here I am. You guys are stuck with me uh, for another solo episode. And I'm not going to lie, a part of me was panicking a little bit. I'm like, number one, I'm like, it's Saturday morning. Uh, usually I edit and everything on Saturday. So I'm like, oh, geez, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I'm like, I don't know how to talk by myself. I went through this before. I'm a babbling mess. Um, I love having Allie here to, you know, go back and forth with me. So I decided once again to kind of do something uh, very similar to what I did before when Allie was away. Um, so last episode I did solo, I talked about the Brothers Grimm and the original stories of Cinderella, Rapunzel, and Prince and the Frog. Well, today I'm going to focus on the author Hans Christian Andersen and a couple stories that he wrote that inspired, uh, Disney films that are safe to say, a little bit popular in our Disney community these days. Um, before I tell you what they are, take a minute and think if you know what these two stories are. I just gave you a hint. There are two I'm going to be talking about. Um, I am kind of a history nerd when it comes to this stuff, so this is just something fun I can talk about solo. So get ready. I can show you the world. Beauty and the shining The first fairy tale I'm going to talk about that Hans Christian, I can't even say his name, it's such a mouthful, Hans Christian Andersen, we're just going to call him HCA for the rest of the episode because his name is a mouthful. The first and probably most well-known story he wrote is the original tale of The Little Mermaid. Da-da-da-da-da! Woo! Little Mermaid. So... We're gonna get into it. I'll kind of give you the summary. I will give you the, some similarities, some differences. But overall, the original story of HCA versus the Disney tale we know and love, the overall story is pretty much the same concept. There's a beautiful little mermaid of the royal undersea family and she wants to go on land. She wants to get legs. She wants to fall in love with a prince. So overall story is pretty much the same. But, of course, the original story, which was written, I believe, in the 1800s. Yes, early 1800s. Is a lot darker. And there's actually a lot of religion involved um, with the original story. So let's just get into it. So, some major differences before we even get into the actual story. 
in the original HCA tale, none of the characters had real names. It was the Little Mermaid, not Ariel. It was the Sea King, not Triton. It was the Sea Witch, not Ursula. The Prince, not Eric. And by now you get my point. Uh, For the sake of this episode and just for the sake of trying not to confuse you, I'm just going to call them all by the names from Disney just so we can all, you know, keep track as best we can because I am a babbler and I don't want anyone to get lost. So, yeah, in the original story, no one actually had names. The other big difference, and this is kind of the first um, dark turn that the original tale takes, is that mermaids in general... They do not have souls. They are soulless creatures. They live for 300 years, and once they live out their 300 years of life, they turn into seafoam. Now, depending on how you look at it, um, not having a soul is obviously a very, you know, dark subject. But I thought it was an interesting perspective. And, you know, once you read the original fairy tale, um, a lot of the mermaids think of turning into seafoam as a positive thing. They're like, you know, we live our lives here for 300 years and then we become a part of our home. So you know what? In a way, it's kind of a beautiful sentiment, but at the same time, it's kind of super dark. So I guess it's all about perspective in that sense. So, okay, let's get into the actual story. If you're listening to a Disney podcast, um, I am sure you've seen The Little Mermaid, the Disney version. I'm sure you know that story. So for time's sake, I'm really not going to give a summary of the Disney version because I don't think that's needed. If you have not seen The Little Mermaid, um, pause here, go on Disney Plus. It's a great thing. Watch The Little Mermaid and come back. Okay, so HCA's The Little Mermaid. Right away, you know, we, we are under the sea. We know the Sea King and he has six beautiful daughters. And believe it or not, in the original tale, uh, the Sea King is called the Sea King, but his mom is actually the one that kind of runs the show. So the six daughters kind of go to grandma for all of these, you know, important decisions and advice and things like that. She is the one that is in charge under the sea. So Ariel and her sisters, they live in the castle and they all have a piece of land in the garden so this is like a big way they spend their time is they're always outside in their garden right away one of the things I found super interesting is that one of Ariel's most prized spaces in her garden is a marble statue of a prince that came from a shipwreck so obviously if you know the Disney version of the Little Mermaid yes in the movie it is Prince Eric but I think that is such a cool um I don't even know what you call it, Easter egg that came from the original tale. So yes, Ariel has this marble statue of a prince and that is one of her most prized possessions in her garden. So in this version, every year on a mermaid's 15th birthday, they actually have permission to go above um, sea level. Um, They can lay under the moonlight, they can lay on the sandbanks or on the rocks and they actually have full permission to observe life on land. And of course, you know, very similar to the movie, a lot of mermaids aren't very impressed by what's up there. A lot of mermaids are very happy that they get to live 300 years under the ocean and, you know, they're very pleased with their lives. Now, of course, Ariel is the youngest of all her sisters, so for all these years, she's hearing all these stories, all these stories, and 
it's finally her chance. And you can guess what happened. Um, I'm keeping it the short version, but of course, Ariel falls in love with life on land and of course wants to go. She's talking to her grandmom about it. And of course, grandma is not happy with that decision. She calls Ariel a fool and all of that other fun stuff. And I want to read this quote directly from the original story. So why Ariel's talking to her grandma, she says, Why did we never get an immortal soul? The Little Mermaid asked sadly. I would give up all 300 years I have to live and just to be a human being for one day and then be part of that heavenly world. End quote. I love the fact that she directly says, I want to be a part of that heavenly world. What is the most well-known song from The Little Mermaid? part of your world and again i hope it's not just a coincidence i hope that you know the little the people who wrote the little mermaid with disney saw this and used that as inspiration to write part of your world i love that so yes ariel does not like the fact that she does not have a soul she wants to go on land she wants to fall in love and i feel like you can guess what happened next grandma no 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 you're a fool you're a fool so Ariel goes to find the sea witch. Now, something you should know about the sea witch in this one. And when I was doing research for this episode, a lot of people were saying the original sea witch is not as evil as Ursula was. But you're going to find out soon that I, I don't agree. And I hope you can see why. So when Ariel is going up to the sea witch, her lair if you want to call it that, is made from the human bones that she has found from shipwrecks. So Homegirl is sleeping, chilling on human remains that have died in the ocean. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty dark, twisted, and evil to me. Anyway, and it's about to get worse in all honesty. So, of course, Ariel goes to the Sea Witch uh, to beg for help. And the deal is very specific. So, yes, Ariel wants to go on land. She wants legs. She wants to, you know, fall in love with a prince. Her whole thing, her whole motivation here is she wants a soul. Why, yes, falling in love and finding a prince is a bonus. That is not her drive in this original story. She wants a soul. So, Sea Witch is happy to make that deal with her. But the stipulations that the Sea Witch, sea witch gives is a lot, you know, you know what, I'll just, I'll just say it. So, she's going to give Ariel her legs, but in this version, she is going to walk like no other. Dancers will envy the way Ariel walks. She, you know, she will basically be floating and she will look so beautiful. But every step Ariel takes will feel like she's walking on a bed of knives. It'll feel like her feet are being stabbed and bleeding. Y yeah, that. And if Ariel does not marry by the time her time is up, she does not get a soul and she turns into sea foam instantly. So Ariel doesn't marry. She dies instantly. Talk about pressure. For all of you who complain about going to Thanksgiving dinners with their family, 
um, just think about this story next time because I think, you know, <laughs> this, this involves a lot more pressure. And the last big stipulation of this deal is that Ariel had to give up, give up her voice. So big similarity right there is Ariel still had to give up her voice. But in this version, you want to know how she gave up her voice? Homegirl Sea Witch cut out her dang tongue. I have to give Ariel credit here because I thought I had high motivation. I thought I worked hard and I thought I put a lot into what I want. But I really don't know if I would deal with pain every time I stepped. And I don't know if I would cut out my tongue. I guess, you know, I'm taking my soul for granted, but hey, I guess that's another conversation for another day. So, the deal is made, Ariel is on land, we made it. So now, this is where I'm kind of gonna move a little quicker, because a lot of the pages are about her and the prince, and those are all fun details, but what's most important to know here is that the prince already has an arranged marriage. He is set to go to marry, you know, some other princess, how they did it in the olden times, you know. Unfortunately, Ariel, and you know what? This is kind of, you know, too real for her, too reality-based. I don't know. I don't know words. Ariel falls in love with the prince, of course. The prince looks at Ariel more as a pet. It's almost as if he takes pity on her. He enjoys having her at the castle. He enjoys being around her, but not in the same sense that Eric did in the Disney version. This prince kind of takes pity on her. He never directly says that, but you definitely get that vibe, you know, and she, you know, bends over backwards for him. And at one point in the story, she's sleeping by his door almost like a dog would lay outside your door when they want to come in so the whole time you're reading the original tear you pretty much get the vibe that eric just kind of takes pity on her and looks at her more like a pet or a novelty so time is a chicken and we're moving towards the end of the story and again another big similarity is that you know wedding day takes place on a boat outside of the castle. So kind of picture in your head the final scene of The Little Mermaid. Except the prince never falls in love with Ariel. He goes on to marry um, whatever princess he was supposed to marry. And right before the wedding, Ariel's sisters come up. Long story short, they're like, hey, here's this knife. If you plunge it through the prince's heart, You'll be able to return to the sea. You'll be able to return as a mermaid. You can live your 300 years, you know, blah, 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 blah. So all you have to do is kill the prince before sunrise. Whoa, boy. Standoff here. So either Ariel has to die or the prince has to die. They're both not making it out. So they see the red streak in the sky. Time is a ticking. And Ariel's on the ship. She's got this knife, but she can't do it. She can't bring herself to kill the prince because at the end of the day, she loves him, and that's just not who she is as a person. So what does she do? She tosses the knife into the ocean, and then she throws herself into the ocean. 
Now, when I originally read the story, I thought, boom, it's over. She threw herself into the ocean, she becomes seafoam instantly, and boom, that's where the tale ends. But in a surprising twist, um, Ariel starts floating out of the water, and she asks, who am I going to? And voices respond to the daughters of the air. And they basically explain to Ariel that mermaids, you know, they don't have an immortal soul and they can't gain one unless she wins the love of a human being. So basically they explain that, you know, they feel her heart. They know she's striven to do good things and they feel, you know, what she's suffered and what she's gone through. So basically now Ariel can gain a soul through years of good deeds. Yeah, so she has to basically perform good deeds for 300 years to earn herself um, a soul. And they kind of go into details about, you know, the specifics of what God requires of them. And this is where religion really comes into play here is at the end of the story when they talk about what God requires to gain a soul and everything like that. So that's how the story ends as you realize, you know, Ariel has a good heart and she has another chance at getting what she wants. And you get the vibe that, you know, where she's going and the, pe- the spirit she's going to be with are of good people. The end. Happily ever after. All right. So that was my very terrible <laughs> summary of the HDA version. So I really feel like I shouldn't have to talk about differences too much. Um, I think the differences are pretty obvious considering that, you know, religion is very heavily involved and the violence aspect of it is very involved but besides the violence and religion I think the biggest difference in the original tale is that you know she doesn't end up falling in love with the prince which you know when you think fairy tale usually that's what happens so I thought that was a pretty cool twist in all of this I am honestly very fascinated by the similarities from the original tale and um, the Disney version while the similarities really aren't that significant i thought it was so cool that both princesses had marble statues of princes i also thought it was fascinating how there is a direct quote of the little mermaid saying she wants to be part of that world those two direct similarities to me are so cool and i I love that and again some other very basic similarities are that you know the little mermaid is very beautiful you know, she made a deal with the sea witch to go on land. So there aren't too many similarities, but the overall story is obviously very similar. If you haven't read the original fairy tale, I honestly think you should. I think it's super cool to know the origin stories and how they've changed over the years. So it's really easy to find a PDF version online. If you go on YouTube, there are some audio readings of it, but honestly, there are really none that are that great of quality. So I definitely recommend either finding a copy or just reading the PDF version. Okay, so if you are short on time or if I've babbled on a little too long for you, now would be a good time to take a break and come back to this episode because the next fairy tale I'm going to talk about is The Snow Queen. And I'm going to give you guys a second to take a guess on what Disney movie you think The Snow Queen is based off of. If you know this, you're a real one, but it's actually Frozen. Surprise, surprise, the fairy tale is called The Snow Queen. And this one's super interesting because when I was reading this fairy tale, this is one I actually had not read uh, previously. So for this episode, I sat and read the fairy tale. And this one is 
not similar at all, in my opinion. I mean, besides the fact that the Snow Queen has icy powers, I mean, that's pretty much the only similarity. You could argue that, you know, the theme of the bond of friendship is very similar to the bonds of sisterhood, but overall this uh, Frozen is very loosely based off the Snow Queen. So there are three main characters we're going to focus on in that, you know, one being the Snow Queen, obviously. And then instead of two sisters, uh, our main characters are two best friends. Um, Gerda, who is a girl, and Kai, who is a boy. And a lot of people do think they're siblings because of how close and strong their friendship is, but they are friends, not siblings. So you know what? We're just going to get into it. This fairy tale is super interesting because it's actually broken up into seven parts. Um, I really didn't see a point in splitting it up, I guess, you know, to make it an easier read. But, you know, like I said, let's just get into it. So, The Snow Queen by our man, HCA. The story opens uh, with a wizard. And this is not a nice wizard. And he invented this enchanted mirror. But when you looked into this mirror, everything turned ugly. So if you looked into this mirror, you no longer saw good in the world. Everything turned ugly, it turned dark, and it actually turned the person's heart into ice. Your heart became cold. And the wizard was so proud of his evil invention. He was laughing loudly, celebrating, and he actually ended up dropping the mirror. And when it hit the floor, it shattered into a million pieces that spread across the world. Dun, dun, dun. So on the other side of this world, our best friends and protagonists, Gerda and Kai, were outside having fun, um, observing snowflakes falling to the ground. And what do most kids do when snowflakes are falling? They're sticking their tongues out, they're trying to catch snowflakes. And while this was going on, Kai tried to catch one and something sharp got into his eye. And what do you think that sharp object was? It was a piece of the mirror, and once this happened, Kai started to change. Once a little fragment of the mirror got stuck in his eye, his overall personality completely changed. He started to become rude and kind of started isolating himself. He stopped hanging out with Gerda because, you know, he started to see her as immature and ugly, and Gerda just wasn't understanding what was going on. She became sad about everything because she had no explanation of this behavior. Kai went from being her best friend to kind of wanting nothing to do with her. And this is something that is very parallel to Frozen. Obviously not as dark, but you know, Anna had no idea why Elsa shut her out. One day they were best friends, one day they did everything together, and the next, just nothing. So this is a really big parallel. Um, completely different situations, but I thought that was a really cool parallel. And I just realized this is my complete downfall as a podcaster, is I literally just said the word parallel six times in 30 seconds. So someone buy me a thesaurus for Christmas, because, you know, you know, whatever. Anyway, so Kai's heart is clearly starting to turn to ice, and this is where the Snow Queen comes into play. Uh, one day a woman is, you know, kind of traveling around in a sleigh pulled by a reindeer and she clearly is, you know, some type of royal. She has her fur coat and an ice tiara 
and she stops in her travels when she sees Kai. She invites him to join her in her kingdom where he'll, where he'll enjoy himself for the rest of his life. You know, Kai didn't think twice about it because of his now ice-cold heart. He jumps right into the sleigh and doesn't tell Gerda, doesn't tell his parents. He just kind of ups and disappear. So winter comes and goes, spring comes and goes, and it is now summertime. Gerda continues to think about Kai and question what happened to him. So you know what? She decides to pack up her crap and go look for him. She, you know, sits on this small boat and sails down the river. River? God! Get it together, Lindsay. And, you know, after a few days of traveling, she comes to a house uh, where this house owner, you know, invites her in, gives her food, and Gerda decided to stay with the woman for a while. You know, she enjoyed the comfort and the food. And after these few days, she kind of forgets why she started the journey in the first place. And she grows suspicious of this woman and starts to think she's intentionally making her forget about Kai. So what does she do? She packs up her crap again and she heads for the dark forest. She walks for a long time and some birds start singing about a boy who got lost in the woods with this weird name, Kai. And Gerda naturally thinks it could be her Kai. She continues to travel through the dark forest where she comes to a castle where the king and queen had never heard of a lost boy named Kai. She was sad because, you know, once again, she arrived at another place and kind of hit a dead end. Um, but the good thing here is the king and queen um, really loved Gerda, so they offered her to stay with them for a while. They treated her like a princess. She told them all about her journey. The king and queen even gave her a golden carriage to help her find her friend. But of course, like any other fairy tale, luck wasn't on Gerda's side because one day when she was traveling in this golden carriage, um, a group of robbers kidnapped her, took her carriage, all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, another girl was actually kidnapped by the same group of robbers and Gerda told her her story. And this girl actually helped Gerda break free one night while the robbers were sleeping. Because the girl had heard of the Snow Queen and kind of told Gerda that she suspects that's where Kai is. So she told Gerda where to find help. She helps her break free. And here we are on the road again. And here is where you can argue there's another parallel to Frozen. I mean, this is very general. So, you know, um, to me, it's pretty basic to be considered a parallel. But, you know, here's Gerda, you know, traveling through the woods. Uh, looking for her friend and coming across all these obstacles and meeting different people along her journey. Kind of very similar to how Anna was traveling to find Elsa. And, you know, she comes across, you know, Oaken's trading post. She meets Kristoff. She meets Fen. They eventually meet Olaf. So, again, you could argue that that's a parallel. But to me, that's very general to a lot of fairy tales. But, you know, I definitely want to mention it. So, Gerda is traveling through the woods again. And she finally finds this woman that the other girl uh, told her about. So this woman, you know, brings her in, keeps her warm, and, you know, once kind of Gerda regains her strength from all this travel, the woman told her that Kai was alive, he was with the Snow Queen, but he is under the Snow Queen's spell. So Gerda finally has her explanation of why Kai started acting weird out of nowhere, but in true fairy tale fashion, the woman explains to Gerda that since their friendship was so strong and so true, it was pure enough to save Kai um, from the Snow Queen's spell. She tells her where the Snow Queen's castle was, and I'll let you guess where the Snow Queen's castle was. Yes, it is north. 
where the light is brightest, kind of how Elsa's castle was on the North Mountain. So again, another small parallel, but again, very general. So I'll keep this part short. Obviously, Gerda does end up finding the Snow Queen's castle. She steps inside, tries to yell out Kai's name, gets no response. She explores this castle, walks into every room, but they were all the same, completely made of ice. Um, at, you know, at one point she becomes disoriented, doesn't really know where she is. She continues to walk around and eventually does find Kai sitting next to a throne. The Snow Queen is there and she was getting ready to kiss Kai's forehead, um, which would turn him into an ice statue. And I'm going to pause here because you know what's funny about this story and when I was reading the story? It reminded me of the Chronicles of Narnia more than it reminded me of Frozen. If you have ever read that book or seen that movie, it made me think of, I think, what was it, the younger brother's name? I think it was Edward, um, the one that had the dark hair, how he gets tricked by the Ice Queen in that movie, and he goes to her castle, realizes she's kind of an evil piece of crap, and discovers how every everyone she captured was turned into an ice statue. So ironically, this fairy tale reminded me more of Chronicles of Narnia than Frozen but that's a side note there. So anyway, she finds Kai. He's getting ready to get kissed by the Snow Queen to be turned into an ice statue. So Gerda screams in panic that she actually scares the Snow Queen. She runs towards Kai and hugs him while the Queen wasn't watching. I'm sorry, my computer just made a weird, weird noise. Anyway, somehow the Queen doesn't notice Kai. <laughs> Gerda running to Kai. Uh, when tears started streaming down her face, this melted Kai's icy heart. Gerda tells the Snow Queen that she should freeze her rather than her best friend Kai. Um, the Snow Queen realized that their friendship was stronger than her spell. She burst into many shiny crystals and disappeared forever. And now Gerda and Kai went home and lived happily ever after. Um, so yeah. Um, here is where you could argue another parallel comes into play. Uh, I think of the quote from Frozen that true love can thaw a frozen heart. And to me, that's what Gerda did. Her, their friendship was so strong that when she hugged Kai, it melted his frozen heart and defeated the Snow Queen. To me, it was kind of an anticlimactic ending. It was kind of cheesy, in my opinion, that somehow the Snow Queen, who was built up to be so powerful, um, didn't notice Gerda running straight at them. But that's just my opinion. That was The Snow Queen by Hans Christian Andersen. Wow, I'm actually pretty impressed with myself. I got through that summary a lot faster than I thought I would. Um, because if you've been listening for a while, we all know that I have a babbling problem and Allie is usually here to help me control my babbling. But anyway, um, I love talking about the origin stories of um, our favorite Disney movies. So this is something I can talk about on my own, but... Anyway, so yeah, that's Hans Christian Andersen, and thank you for listening. Definitely reach out to Allie, send her well wishes. I'm hoping by the time this episode is uploaded, she's feeling a lot better. Uh, we're super excited moving forward. We have a lot of really good content coming up about the park, so keep a lookout for that. Thank you so much for listening. We love you all, and we will talk to you next week. I won't say